In Jesus' name we pray. Before you could sit, uh, before you could sit down, I want you to meet at least two people that you have not met today. Greet them and bless them. Two people at least. Not the ones that you met this morning. Not the ones in the church. Somebody that you have not met. Greet them and bless them. At least minimum two. Minimum. Two people, bless them with, with the word of God. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. While our pastor was leading us in worship, he spoke about we need grace. And we need grace abundantly. We need to give God thanks for everything. Because no matter what you might be going through, no matter what your family is going through, at the end of the journey, He will work that out for our good. Amen? No matter what you are going through, nobody will understand what the pain you are going through. Lost of loved ones, children not walking in the way that you want, Problems between husband and wives, brothers and sisters, workplace. So many tension, but don't give up. I charge you in the name of Jesus, don't give up. Because His grace will see you through. Amen. Amen. Uh, last month, we looked at the topic we are studying uh, for the last one year that we are doing this study on the book of James. And last month we looked at uh, how to face your future. That's what we studied last month from James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. That's what we've seen uh, on, the, on the subjects that we are studying on grow up, don't give up. So this afternoon we will be looking at James, we will continue our study and we will look at the book of James chapter 5 and we will look from verse 1 to 6. That's where we are going to do our study for today. Since we are studying the book of James and I've titled today's message as Money Matters. Money Matters. So we will turn to James chapter 5 verses 1 to 6 from NIV. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotten and moth and eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth and in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workers who moved your fields are crying out against you. The cries of harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have flattered yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask you 
this word that you have given us today. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will take this word and Lord, let it enter into our hearts. Father, let this word become life to us, Daddy. Maybe many times we have read it and we have not understand the deep meaning of what you have in store for us. Father, we pray that this word will change our lives, will correct us, will rebuke us, will transform us, will build us up, will encourage us, Lord God, and will put us in the right path. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many people believe that the Bible teaches it's wrong to be wealthy. Many people believe that. That the Bible doesn't talk about riches. They think that the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. But that is not true. I want to tell you that today. It actually says the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. God is not opposed with your wealth. In fact... Many of godly people of the past were extremely wealthy. Many of our forefathers were extremely wealthy. And I'll give you some examples of them. We know that Abraham was probably a millionaire in his time. Amen? Job was the wealthiest man in his time. King David and King Solomon were both wealthiest men in their time. We know that Barabbas was also a wealthy man because he sold land and he gave it to the church. And we know that Joseph of Arimathea was the man who gave his new tomb, which he built, he gave it to Jesus. So we see there's a line of people of God's children who are wealthy in the Bible. So God is not opposed of us being wealthy. But, God is much opposed in the misuse and the abuse of wealth. The misuse and the abuse of wealth, God is very angry with. He wants us to use the wealth that He has given us very wisely, no matter how much you have or how little you have. He wants us to use it wisely. In the New Testament times, there was no such thing as middle class in the New Testament times. They were either the very rich or the very poor. The system changed it. It made the rich people richer and the poor more poorer. James wants to deal with people that use their money in an ungodly manner. And that's what James was talking about. People who use their money in an ungodly manner. manner. He condemns them on four specific abuses that they were guilty of. And that's what we are going to look at, what James is saying. There are four specific abuses that James condemns the misuse of money. Now, although you might tell me, Brother Claudie, we don't I don't do such thin, sins. Maybe, maybe you do not commit these sins to that de degree. But no matter how much money we have, we must learn to use it 
wisely. Amen? So today we are going to look at the wrong use of wealth, how to avoid them, and then we will look at the right use of wealth. We are going to take the same four scriptures, the four points that I am going to look at. We are going to look at the wrong use and the right use. And you will not sleep in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us first look at the wrong use of wealth. Point number one, the first key issue that James is addressing here, he says the accumulation of wealth. The first point is the accumulation of wealth. He says in verse 3b part, don't hoard it. See the third part of verse 3b. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. What does that mean? God says that money is not to be collected in piles for the sake of having it. You don't collect money into piles just for the sake of having it. God wants His money to be circulated. James is not talking about savings. Let us, I want to make this very clear. James is not talking about saving. He is talking about piling away money. We have to be very careful. It's, there is a legitimate way to save money. God encourages His children to save. All through the Bible. And I'm going to show you so many scriptures where God encourages, encourages His children to save. He is referring to what He is trying to say. You get more and more and you are not happy with what you get. You still want to get for the sake of getting. And for the sake of keeping it. Once in a while if you read the papers, I don't know, I have not heard of it since of late. You will find that in the papers they say, an elderly couple just passed away. And when the police or the family members go to see this elderly couple that have just passed away, and when they lift their mattresses, they would find hundreds and thousands of rupees stacked under their mattress. Why did they do that? They were afraid of losing the money. They were so afraid. They were so afraid that they would lose the money that they never even enjoyed their money. And somebody down the line who has not even worked for it comes and says, Thank God they went so quickly. <laughs> they will say a word of prayer for you, one rose on your grave. Thank God that you kept me. During the New Testament time, you will see that you can hoard money or wealth in three ways. And that's what James is talking about. There are three ways you could do it. Number one is you can stockpile food. James is saying that. Number two, you can collect clothes. Number three, you can gather a lot of jewels. And now let us look at what he's trying to refer. Let us look at verse two and three quickly. James speaks about three types of wealth that we could hold, and it's found in verse two and three. Quickly, my brother, your verse wealth. Verse two. Your wealth has rotted. Number one, your wealth has rotted. And moth have eaten your clothes. Number two, moth have eaten your clothes. And we are seeing from NIV now. Your gold and silvers are corroded. No, your gold and silver. Yes, brother, stop. Your they gold, yes, stop. Your gold and silver has corroded. So what is James trying to tell us? Now, that's what he says during that time. And I want to transfer it to this time. Okay, it's always good to take the scripture and put it into live of what we are doing on a daily basis. Number one is, he says, your fridge is now filled and things are getting spoiled. Number two, he says, moth and fungus have now eaten your clothes that are in the closet. 
many sisters will laugh at me now. The gold and silver are rusting away. So now, let us look at it one by one. Your food has gone rotten. Which type of food gets rotten? The food that you are using daily or the food that you take and keep it into that freezer for three to four months. You cook something, you don't even use it, for three, four months you keep it and suddenly you open, you get this beautiful aroma that you want to fall dead. That people pass through your kitchen and say, I don't know what these people are having in their fridge. Now that food has gone spoiled, you can't eat it, number one. You can't give it to your neighbor that you hate. And you can't even do anything with it. All it's left to be thrown away. That's what James is saying. Your food has become rotten. Number two, he says your clothes get moth eaten. Now, which type of clothes get eaten by moth? And I'm sure we will all face it. I have faced it many times and that's the reason I was able to bring that point out. How many of us, when we go back on vacation and we open that wardrobe, which we have not opened for one year and we have not given our clothes to anybody and we see fungus on the clothes. We see that, the, that where the clothes were folded, we find even the lining colors changed. We find mildew on those clothes. Which clothes get? Not the ones that you are using every day. The ones that you have stockpiled and you have kept far away. Look at it. James looked at it 2,000 years ago. And it's so prevalent in our present days. And very much in Bread of Life members also. See, we don't smile for that. We think someone else is doing it. So the clothes that you use are not thrown away. It's the clothes that you stockpile. You can't use it anymore because the color has gone. Now, you can't give it to somebody because he will throw it back at you. Now it's fit to be thrown away. And the third point, he says, even your gold is getting rusty. Now, some of us, don't misunderstand me, we have only one neck, but we have 24 chains made. We have two feet, but we have 24 anklets made. Two hands, 32 bangles made. Can we use 32 bangles, 24 chains and walk on the road? You won't have anything left behind. He says, though, even that gold is crying out to you. We put our hope in all these things. And he says, that thing will cry out to you and it will rot your flesh on that day. On that day, that gold which you stackpiled and you put away is now crying out to you. My second point that James is addressing is the appropriation of wealth. Number two. The appropriation of wealth, we look at verse 4. God is not concerned with... I want to say this very carefully. Please listen to me. God is not concerned with what you have, but He's concerned how you got it. Not with what you have, but how did you get what you have? Number one, God is concerned that you don't steal it. Whatever you have, should not be got from stealing from somebody you love, somebody you work for, or somebody you hate. Not through that. It's a sickness to steal. It's a disease to steal. Do not lie to get what you want. Don't lie 
Don't lie to anybody. In your business deal, and you know, unless you tell this one lie, your business deal is going to work. He says, don't do it. Don't do it. That's not the way you should get your money. There's a lot of dishonest people in this world that they will lie to get anything to get a business deal. One way is not to pay your debts. How many people like to borrow? But when it comes to giving back, oh, it pains them. It pains their heart to forget. And especially to return it, they forget. To borrow, they remember everybody. But from the one person that they borrowed, they forget that person even exists also. When they look at the person, they walk the other way. In the New Testament days, people worked on a daily basis. And that's what James is talking when he is looking very carefully. People were hired in the morning and in the evening they were paid their money. I'll give you an example. A man would go out into the country, he would look at somebody standing, and that's what Jesus gave the example. He looked at somebody standing, he said, what are you doing? Nothing. Go work in my vineyard. So as they are working, what do those people used to do? They will get these guys to work, and for some reason he doesn't want to pay them, he'll come during the day and he'll say, I'm not happy with your work, can you please go? Now, he's got rid of the man, he's got the work done for him, he's got that money saved in his pocket, and James is addressing that. Be careful, he says. Another example, in the present way, in the present day, and it's happening right around us, a person can go out, make you get a contract for you, and that contract may be not legitimate, you have no one to help you out, you work for so many months, and after 3-4 months, you even don't get your salary, and you collect that and keep it, and James is saying, that is dangerous. Look at verse 4, see why James is addressing it. Verse 4 it says, the Look, the wages you fail to pay the workers. Now see, the wages you fail to pay the workers are who mourn your fields and crying out for you, against you. See that? Now, yes, brother, stop. The wages that you have failed to pay, those workers are now crying out because you have made them pay work when you fail and now you are not willing to pay them back. And their cry is now reaching out to God. I'll give you another example. If I tell you, brother, I have a car to be sold and you're very happy because you love me because I'm in the leadership and then you come to buy my car, but I don't tell you that there's a major repair in the car. If you drive another 20 kilometers, the engine will drop. I don't tell you that. And you pay me the money and you go. And I get that money in a wrong way because I have hidden the fact that there is a major repair. So God is concerned, how are you making your money? It's very, very important. Number, number two, we, 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 we cheat on our taxes. Many of us who have to pay taxes back at home, how much we cheat on our taxes? Then, now I want to get very personal with you now. How many of us waste time in our office and we are paid for it? God is concerned how you got that money. You know that money is not supposed to be put in the offertory? Because you have got it in a wrong way. All the time in the office, you have wasted your time. And you are being paid for wasted time. And then you come and say, God, I want to give 20%, not 10%. God will say, only 10% you have worked. The other 10% you have robbed your company. I don't want that money. And that's for Christians for us. The third issue is the allocation of money. The third issue is the allocation of money. Is verse 5. How do we spend it? The way we spend our money is very important in the sight of God. Verse 5. A, the first part it says, You have lived on earth in luxury 
and self-indulgence. So that means you have lived only for yourself. Remember, we are not allowed to waste our money. One of the greatest temptations I think that we have to avoid is the more money we make, we are tempted to spend it in a selfish manner, only upon ourselves. The more money you make, it's very easy to spend it because of pride. You know what you say? I can afford it. I have made this money. I can afford it. You say such things and you indulge yourself in so many ways. Even children, they force their parents to buy their things just because they feel that their parents can afford it. Dad is working. Mom is working. Buy this for me. It doesn't mean just because you can afford it that you have to waste your money on it. My fourth point is the application of wealth. Verse 6. The application of wealth. It says, he's talking about how we use its influence. He says, don't abuse it, but use it. See, the world recognizes the power of money. They use money to influence people. They use money to manipulate people. And that's the reason we see politicians manipulated in so many ways because of people who have money and they are run in politics, we see it. Verse 6, if you look what it says. You have. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Now, the, the, James is saying that the rich were buying off judges. They were manipulating justice. They took advantage of the poor people. And everywhere around them, they used money to manipulate them. Many Christians keep their children under control in the time when they cry by bribing them small, small things. You, when the child screams, you give them your pen. Now, pen, those days, pen was very important. My days, pencil was important. Nowadays, not even the iPhone is important. The iPad has to be given my hand. Then only I will stop crying. If iPhone comes, I will throw that. Give me the iPad. That's what is happening nowadays. Now, I want us, we have looked at what are the wrong ways, but we, will, we are going to look at what are the right ways. I looked at four points. The accumulation of wealth, the appropriation of wealth, the allocation of wealth, and the application of wealth. That's what we've seen from verse 1 to 6. Now, I'm going to look at it from God, what God has to say, the right use of wealth. We've seen what James had to say, the wrong way that we are using wealth. Now, let us see what the Bible has to say, what God has to say, the right use of wealth. And we are going to look at the same four points, the right accumulation, the first point, the right accumulation. We'll turn to Proverbs 21, verse 20. The Bible says in 21, 20, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. So God encourages us to save for our future. Proverbs 30, verse 24, the Bible says, Consider the hand, how it stores up in the winter. So God encourages us to store up for a particular reason, for a particular season. Jesus told many parables. Over half of them deals with money. Do you know that the Bible has 2,350 mentions only about money? 2,350 times he talks about investment, how the wise man invests his money, and how the foolish man does not invest. And that's the reason 
the Bible says, it calls you, you wicked man. Why? Because you did not invest it in a proper way. Now, in order to develop the habit of saving, we need to do two things. In order to develop an habit of saving, you need to do two things. Number one, you need to learn to be content with what you get and live within your budget. Contentment is the most important issue. Let us look back on our own lives when we came to this country. We came for small salaries. Were we not content at that time? Now we are getting, many of us are getting 10 to 20 times and we are not content with what we have. We are never content with what we have. That's a very, very dangerous place. In order to develop this, number two, we have to understand, many Christian families never set a budget between husband and wife regarding finance. Do you know that 80% of divorces are due to because of money? 80% of divorces. And that is creeping into the church. Husband and wife are very happy to pray together. Husband and wife is very happy to sleep together. Husband and wife are very happy to go out together. They are very happy to come to church together. But the moment it comes to finance, they will say, Honey, can you just leave this area for me? This is my area. You, you take care of your area. In all areas they want to be together. The moment finance rings, there is a bell. Ting tong. We separate. Your flight goes to Dubai. Mine goes to Muscat. What is the purpose of saving? That's the question. If you are sleeping, say hallelujah. I love you. I love you. Be careful of me when I stand here. What's the purpose of saving? Here the Bible differs from the world thinking. The world thinks of one way. The Bible shows it different. The world thinks that saving money is for security reason. But if you have a bank balance, you are financially secure. That's what the world says. As long as the bank balance is big, you are secured. The problem is, there is no such thing as absolutely secured. No matter how much money you might have in the bank, you can lose it. Gone. I'm not going to frighten you now. You can lose your family overnight. You can be at home and your family can go for a, for a ride or even for a drive and you can lose them overnight. You can lose your money overnight. You can lose your reputation overnight. Do you know that next morning even you can use a job when you go? The sponsor has no thing to say that I have to give you three months. Sorry. Because of this, this, this. Here's your money. Thank you very much. You can lose everything overnight. My brothers and sisters, there's one thing that cannot be taken away from you and me. And that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. I only heard one Amen. How sad it is, no? Even our relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't want to say an Amen. That's one thing that cannot be taken away from you. They can cut your neck, they can shoot you, they can torture you. But they cannot take your relationship that you have with Jesus. Amen? amen. We've got our security only in Christ and in Christ alone. Amen? Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply all your needs. You know what is the meaning of that? Overnight if you lose everything, you can have this assurity. I have lost my children, I have lost my husband, I have lost my job, I have lost my reputation, I have lost my body. But one thing they will, can never be taken away, that my God will supply my need. Amen? 
So why do Christians save? Why do Christians save? Christians save for a very important reason is for stewardship. For stewardship. That's the only reason. Now there are three reasons for saving. Before I can tell you these three reasons for saving, our pastor mentioned a very important word and I was so happy that when he used that word this morning, everything that you own does not belong to you. Do you know that? Even the shirt on your back doesn't belong to you. Everything that we own belongs to God. He is the owner of everything. Even the air that is not here also, it belongs to him. So he knows when to take which hair. He knows this is, this is too long on your head. I have to remove one now. Understand? So, example. I'll give you an example. You decide to go to Dubai, you rent a car. Okay? When you go to this rental company, you ask, I like to have a car. What do they give you? A form. Okay. After that, to drive the car, they give you a key. Correct? They give you a key and they say, that's your car. You examine the car, you take the car, you drive. Now, who does the car belong to? You. No, no. Now it's yours. Because you have taken ownership of it. The car is now yours. You have given the car for a season and for a reason. Reason is, I'm going to Dubai. Season is, maybe one day, the car now is leased to you. You are supposed to protect that car. By accident, you go bang that car and you come back. You say, excuse me, sir, there's a bill for 600 rials. Because you have not used the car that I've given unto you. So you pay for the damage. The same principle lies with God. Everything that he has given to you is for a season and for a reason. At the end of the day, if you misuse what he has given for you, you have to pay damages. Understand? If you misuse the wealth of God, the Bible says you will end up for a slaughter. That's a dangerous word. At least rent a car 600 rials. God says you will be slaughtered. Dangerous. That's the word of God. Go read the scriptures. Now, let us look at for three reasons for saving. Number one, brother, why do we save, Christians save? Number one, to prevent us from impulse buying. Ladies, be very careful. Husbands, you can quote this scripture to your wives whenever you are going out. Honey, I love you. Remember, brother Claudie. And she will start praying, when would God give Claudie another transfer? Proverbs 21.20, quote this, A wise man saves for the future, but a foolish, you can put anything. Man spends whatever he gets. So be very careful, it will come to you fast and it will go away fast. It allows us, number two, it allows us to help other people when they have a need. Number two, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. The third is, it, it gets your money working for you rather than you working for your money. That's the reason you need to save. That's the principle of investment. Whatever you are saving your money, it should be invested wisely. Amen? The second one, the right appropriation. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 verses 11, Wealth from gambling Quickly disappears, wealth from hard work grows strong, uh, work grows. So I was contemplating on this. I said, why does the word, the Bible says that wealth from gambling? And then when I looked, what was, what is 
James really tried to say is, gambling is, you know, people come out and ask you, listen, if you pay 1,000 riyals now, in about, in one year's time, I'll give you 2,000. Not one year's time, we will make it more appealing to you, in one month's time, I'll give you 2,000 or 10,000, and you become greedy within yourself. Be careful of get-rich schemes. If somebody comes to you, I will get you double. I did it by myself many years ago. Somebody came and said, we have got an insurance policy. After two years, you will get double. I ran to the bank, gave him the money. When the contract came, I have to wait five years. So we have to be careful. Don't run for get-rich schemes. You will be in trouble. Proverbs 14, 23. Hard work brings the profit. Mere talk leads to poverty. Over and over the scripture talks about teaching the value of hard work. Proverbs 16, Proverbs 11 verse 16, the Bible says, A lazy man will never have money, but an aggressive man will get rich. And again, Proverbs 12, 27, the Bible says, If you are lazy, you will never get what you are after, but if you work hard, you can get a fortune. So the Bible is repeatedly giving us is giving us strength, is giving us courage. Listen, I will bless what you have. See, what matters to God is not how much money you make, it matters how you make it. That's the most important thing. So many people ask this question, and this question has been asked to me. Brother Claudie, how much can I make as a Christian legitimately? How much can I make? There is no limit to what you can make. Let me tell you that. There is no limit to what you can make. The scripture says, you can make as much money as you can in your lifetime, but you need to meet four qualifications to make that money. Let me restate this again. You can make all the money that you have in the world, but you need to meet four qualifications. And let us look at what are the four qualifications you need to meet in order to make all the money you desire to sleep and to have under your mattress. Some people, number one, as long as it does not hurt your health, number one, as long as it does not hurt your health. Some people literally work themselves to death and to going to work day and night and at last end up in the hospital with an heart attack. Scripture teaches that health must take top priority over wealth. Let me give you a scripture for that. Proverbs chapter 23, look at verse 4, what the scripture says, that your health is more important than your wealth. And it says that, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restrain. Many people are working, them to, working, working themselves to death just to get something that they are not even going to enjoy at the end of their lifetime. The second point, you can get as long as you, how much you want. As long as it does not hurt my family. As long as it does not hurt my family. How many homes have fallen because kids are being ignored by parents? They are too busy making money that they forget that they have a kid at home. Money, making money must not rob your family time. Please, I want to re say that again. Making money should not rob your family time. Your children want you now. They don't want you when they've grown up. 
I have three children. They want, do you know what they want? Leave me alone. I have my own life. I have my future. Spend time with them when they are small. Hold on to them when they are small. Teach them the values of these things. We get so busy making a living that we forget to make a life. So busy making a living that we forget there is a life to be spent with our children. The third point is, as long as it does not hurt other people, make all the money you want, but in that process don't hurt the people around you. This is exactly opposite to what the world views. The world views, eat that person, kill that person, trample over the person, move over the person, get the person out of your way, make the money. That's what the world says. Proverbs 21 verse 20, the Bible gives us a strong warning. A fortune can be made from cheating, but there is a curse that goes with it. I, I quoted the scripture even last month. You can make a fortune by cheating, but you will, you will invade, you will take in a curse with it. Be very careful. Proverbs 16 verse 8, it is better to have little honestly earned than a large income dishonestly gained. Very strong scripture. The fourth point is, as long as I keep my spiritual life in the same level. Let me say the principle of balance is very important. As long as my spiritual growth is in progression at the same level of my financial prosperity. Both should be a balance. If there is an imbalance, that means there is something wrong. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible says, Beloved, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Yeah. There's a very good scripture verse there. God wants us to be in a balance. God says, if you're going to set a financial goal, set also a spiritual goal in your life. Many of us this year, we were, we, even it was quoted from the scripture, and from this pulpit, we were, set to set, we were asked to set goals, but how many of us set spiritual goals as much as we set financial goals? If we open our diaries, we all have financial goals written. Houses, land, this, that and nonsense. What about our spiritual goals? We are coming to the sixth month. How many of us have gone back to our goals and said, God, I made my plan that I will reach so many people for Christ this year. And have we done it? But we go back to God. God, that house is not built still. Can you send forth that money for me? We have to have a balance. God wants you to make money honestly. God wants you to save money faithfully. God wants you to spend money wisely. My last point. The right application. How do we use the influence of money we have? We got to give money generously. Now, this is a very dangerous area that I'm going to touch this afternoon. Proverbs 11, verses 24 to 25. 11, 24, 25. It is possible to give away and become richer. It is also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the generous man shall be rich, but the watering others, he waters himself. Amen? By watering others, you water yourself. God wants us to learn to be givers because God is a giver. Amen? If we are going to learn to become like God, we must learn to be a people of who can give. 
No matter how much wealth you have. Can I have the lights put off, brother? No matter how much wealth you have. Now, this light is going to be put off not for you to sleep, please. Everyone take the dupatta and cover to sleep now. No, I'm going to wake you up. God wants us to learn to be givers. Because no matter how wealthy I become, I'm not financially free until I learn to give. I want you to watch this video of a father's heart who teaches his child to give. But at that time, the child doesn't learn the heart of giving. Let us watch this video. I was blessed with it. I didn't like my father. He was poor and unsuccessful. He tried working harder than all my friends' fathers. I didn't think he was very smart. I've never seen him as an inspiration. Hey, what? What? We are late for school. Oh yeah, yeah, school. So sorry, I lied. Here's your pocket money. Here's a bit of extra. Time to pay your taxes. It's from you. Why are we not rich? Who says we are not rich? Being rich is not about how much you have, but how much you give. And somehow, when you give, you'll be happier. I wasn't happy. I didn't want to be poor like my father when I grew up. I knew I wanted to be more successful than my father. Call me when you need more money. Are you coming back for reunion dinner this year? No, I'm not coming home this year. Yeah, new job here. Maybe after New Year, we'll see. Yeah, I'm really busy now. Okay, bye.
Thank you for coming, Mr. Lin. So good to finally meet you in person. I thought this letter saying they have been donating money to the community chest. That must be a mistake. I'll explain later. There's someone who'd like to meet you. Come with me. Thank you for coming, Mr. Lin. Your father has told us so much about you. Your father, he always makes us forget about our problems. He reminds us of our dreams and hopes. But the kids here, they all miss him. And he's the only one who can bring a smile on their faces. And I remember that this boy, he was really depressed. And he didn't go to school. Basically, he's given out life. But your father, he reads with this boy regularly. This boy has now grown up to be a really useful person. Your father could have retired comfortably. But he chose to continue working so he can help even more people. He was a selfless man. It's just that... It's just that he didn't tell anyone about his sickness. Samuel, I've been trying to reach you. This is for you, in recognition of your donations. Yes, my name. But I didn't do it. So that he didn't want you to know. It's from you. It's from me. I could almost hear him say, being rich is not about how much you have, but how much you can give. children, especially the youth, don't underestimate what your parents are doing. You will never know what they are doing. Maybe you will not be able to see what they do. Your parents are investing in your lives. Ask God, Lord, open my eyes to see how my parents are investing in your kingdom. And I want to challenge parents, encourage your children to give. You will never know until the day you go there, whatever you have invested will be given to you hundredfold. Amen. The Lord is no man's debtor. No man's debtor. When I was hungry, 
You gave me food to eat. I was naked. You gave me clothes. When I was sick, you visited me in the hospital. When did I do that to you, Daddy? When? When you did it to the least of my brethren. You did it to me. Amen? Matthew 6, verse 20, the Bible says, Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. I want to challenge you today. Store up your treasure in heaven. A guy once died and we heard it from the pulpit and he went to heaven and he seen all the beautiful mansions and he asked, what is that small hut there? Who is that for? And he got a very sad answer, that is for you. Because that's the material that you sent up that we could only be able to build only what you sent. So be careful what you send because everything that you spend here will be destroyed. But what you send up will be put into your mansion. So how do we send things ahead? I'm going to teach you a secret. Brother Claudie, you're talking all this. Good. How do I send things ahead? How do I throw, store up all this treasure in heaven? The only way you and I can store up treasure in heaven is to invest into people. Amen? Invest. There are only two things that are going to last forever. Do you know what they are? The word of God will last forever. And people. You know why? People will either spend eternity in one or two places. But you and I can have a part in that place where they spend eternity. When we invest it into missions, when we invest it into places where missionaries are going, where you and I cannot go, you are investing it in people's lives that you are going to meet on that day. And God will say, those are the souls that you invested your money into. Look where they are. You'll have a beautiful place. Proverbs 19 verse 17 says, When you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And the Lord is no man's debtor. Amen? Everything that you give on this side of the earth is being accredited to you on the other side of eternity. Amen? Let me re-say that again what Pastor said this early. God owns everything. You and I own nothing. Can we tell that to our neighbor? God owns everything. You and I own nothing. Now, if you go out and you say, no, but this belongs to me. Do you know what is that? Idolatry. If you claim to own anything. Because everything belongs to God and God alone. If we, are, we try to live without the principle of this book, we are going to end up in trouble in many areas. We will end up in the trouble of time, in the trouble of money, in the trouble of relationship, in the trouble of health. We will end up in great trouble if we do not obey this book. Unmanaged finance simply means misplaced priority. We are putting physical things before spiritual things and it is very dangerous. The starting point for financial breakthrough is to make Jesus Christ as the manager of your finance. As much as you make him the manager of your life, you need to make him the manager of your finance. You need to make him the manager of your marriage. You need to make him the manager of everything that you own. Don't tell, I make you Lord of my life and be none of all. That's wrong. It's a wrong principle. Today, 
I want us to rise on our feet before I can call, before pastor could come please you have heard the word spoken to you and if the lord has spoken to you it's time for us to set things right before god we have to ask the lord i want you to bow your heads and ask the lord lord if there is one of these areas that i have failed can you help me to get right with it if i think that i own the world and i think that i own everything that i have, that i have worked for today i give it to you whatever you think that you have owned today i want you to make it as a prayer and say god i give it to you whether it's your job your finance your family your children your possessions give it to the lord let us pray how many of you have been blessed by today's word quite a few number of hands now the issue is not whether you have been blessed today but what are you going to do about it you have heard the word it's from the word of god it's about something that you and i possess in abundance the question really is what are you going to do about it just think for a moment just as we thank god for the word that has come about something that's very practical something that can pull us down if we are not careful but there were some key points which god was trying to impress upon us number 1 learn to be content learn to be content number 2 learn to be a giver and not a keeper learn to give what is in your hand it is only when you give what is in your hand god can fill from what is in his hand open out your hand and give number 3 learn to master money and not let money master you just thank god that he spoken to you about he's given you a a clear illustration of what money can do the wrong use of money and a right way to use money if you have been under the impression that it is wrong to have money set that aside the bible clearly tells us through the lives of people in the scriptures and through different verses that it is not wrong thank god for the money that you have tell god how are you going to use it are you going to continue to be a hoarder or are you going to turn out to be a giver are you going to chase after money or you are, or are you going to master that money Father God we just want to thank you Lord for you have spoken to us and you have given us practical guidelines Lord Father on how we should use this money for which we are just stewards we do not possess a bit of it it is yours and it is for you to decide how it needs to be used used give us the wisdom to be able to use that properly 
We are the managers of your money. Just help us to use it correctly, Lord. We do not own it. And thank you, Father God, for reminding us of that once again. Father God, we just thank you, Lord Father, for your servant whom you have used this day for bringing across this word. And we pray, Lord, that your anointing will be further poured upon him, Lord. Bless him and his family, Lord. Give him further words of wisdom that he could bring to us that we could apply in our daily living. We thank you, we praise you. We give all glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we share the grace, maybe I would like to just let you know, because Pastor reminded me and I was actually wondering whether I need to. How am I going to tell you this? It's on money. And you contribute. You are contributors. Where is your money going? Just to let you know that in the recent tragedy in Nepal, Brother Saif has also contributed. It's your money. In God's hand, money is never wasted. So please continue to be a giver. Contribute because God knows where it needs to go. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.